0: Hi there, Tom D'Antoni, Oregon Music News Editor, here with the latest coffee shop conversation from World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland, Oregon. With me today is Amy Maxwell, co-owner with her husband, saxophonist Patrick Lamb, of Ticket Tomato. She is also Patrick's manager. The story of how Tickets Oregon got started and became Ticket Tomato is a good one. So is how they managed to combine a successful musical career with the ticket business. Coming up will be coffee shop visits from soul blues legend Lloyd-Jones, award-winning bass player singer Lisa Mann, another bass player, composer Damian Erskine, and co-founder of the Volva Underground, Darka Dusty. Let's talk with Amy Maxwell. Uh, I I have to ask you one thing right off the top. Sure. How did you come up with the name of Ticket Tomato?
1: Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, Actually, Pink Martini inspired it.
0: Oh, Hang On Little Tomato? Yes. Ah.
1: Um, Actually, we were um, uh, talking with Bill, their business manager, Uh about doing um, as much of their ticketing as possible. And so we built the Ticket Tomato to kind of, um, um, as a platform, a Uh testing platform to see if it could be used. And it was when they were promoting Hang on Little Tomato. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of their um, locations that they perform in are locations that have larger contracts. Yeah. And so it wasn't realistic, um, especially at that time, because it was you know, fairly new to have new ticketing platforms. And so um, the big guys kind of won out yeah. um, at that point. Um, and so we tabled the uh, our marketing and graphic design uh-huh. firm, um, tabled the project, and just kind of held on to it. Yeah and when we started doing um, more uh, you know ticketing deals outside of Oregon um, the name tickets Oregon didn't fly and so our uh, marketing firm did a Focus group, mm-hmm. and they took Ticket Tomato and put it out in front of them, and they said that the first thing that everybody did when they said the name was they laughed or yes. they they giggled, yes. Yes. and then they always said something funny or commented on, well, that's fresh or that's you <laughs> know something you know kind of in line with you know tomatoes or produce or whatever, yes. and so um, the our marketing firm said you guys need to keep this because people won't forget it and it gets a really positive you know response and it's fun and um and we when we did our focus group um, we got hardly any bad feedback about it whatsoever so we just took it and kind of reskinned it and. Used it for our second phase of our ticketing launch. So,
0: mm-hmm. and when you say we, are you talking about the editorial way? Or are you talking about you and Patrick?
1: <laughs> I'm talking about our team tomato. Okay. Um, is team what tomato. we team tomato yes. is what we call everybody. Um, so our programmers, um, Patrick, uh, the, our graphic firm you know our marketing and graphic firm you know that works with us yeah.
2: Um
1: everybody's been with us since the beginning pretty much we've gone through a few phases of programmers but um, we've got a great team
0: given how much time Patrick has to spend with his music how, how large a role does he have in
1: Um, He specializes in the technology side of it, Mm -hmm. so um, he works with uh, the programmers very closely on uh, new features and making sure that everything's working properly Uh and and stuff like that. So when he's flying, like if he goes out on the road with Gino, um, he does a ton of work. you know, on the plane, and it's, he can be focused, and and we tend to see a lot of uh, new stuff come through, or um, we have a a kind of a platform that we all communicate on. It's called Asana, Uh um, where our programmers can, you know, they're notified uh, about something new coming on, or I'm notified, and so we can all see it. It's kind of like a Google Docs, but a working platform, you know. And uh, so, whenever he's flying, we always see new Asana uh, tasks pop up. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So he just does it, you know, in between everything, and he's good at it. He's he understands the technology and how to communicate with the programmers closely and stuff like that.
0: So and we finally did a piece on Gino, and people in this town really don't understand how important Gino is to the life of a lot of our best musicians, because he plays pop and all that, but he <laughs> takes with him the best musicians in town.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, Gino, um, has an amazing band and yeah. they're all Portland people. Right. I mean, it's, uh, he did, um, when Patrick first, Patrick actually has known Gino uh-huh. for a very long time. Um, he, recorded with him early on in his career um, when Gino first moved to Portland and um, then and did some you know specialty stuff with him and then um, you know joined his band uh, quite a number of years ago uh-huh. and uh, so you know they've had this you know kind of long term he actually recorded one of his albums in his studios uh-huh. his first album so uh, you know Gino's been very good at you know, kind of finding the people here who are at the top of their craft and kind of scooping them up and yeah. using them. But, yeah, nobody in the band is out of L.A.
0: No, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I mean, geez. Mm-hmm. You think about who's in that band. Yeah. Wow.
1: And he, Gino's music. Damien
0: Erskine, mm-hmm. Reinhardt Mells, Patrick, all hmm
1: Greg Goble. Greg Goble, Jay Greg Coder. Goble. I know, yeah. Jay Berg. yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing. Yeah, and they're amazing when you see them perform. I actually yeah. had um, I went to Montreal uh-huh. uh, with them a couple of years ago, and then also they perf- they did their um, DVD performance in um, Los Angeles at the Saban Theater there, and it was unbelievable watching the show and listening to the band. I mean it's they're tight and the music is tough. Yeah. It's not simple
0: That's so. what everyone says mm-hmm. that is what everyone says that those charts you got you really have got to have, have, have your shit together. Mm-hmm. To, to play Gino Vanelli's charts.
2: Mhm. Yeah.
1: yeah, well and he has very high expectations yeah. I and mean, he's very accomplished as a writer and producer and performer and so he expects his band and everyone around him to you know kind of rise to that occasion and it shows. I yeah. mean when they filmed their DVD special in L.A., it was unbelievable. And it had been a really long time since he had performed in the area, and the crowd went nuts. Ah. It was actually fun to be in the audience and uh-huh. watch it all kind of come together. So, How
0: did you meet Patrick?
1: <laughs> um, uh, at Nordstrom, actually. Really? Ah. I was... Uh, I was an event coordinator and in marketing and PR Uh for the Oregon region, and uh, Patrick actually played an event that we had with Guy Buffet, um, Uh the artist, the painter, and um, we just, you know... uh, he, everyone, and they actually put me in charge of music. Um, so for all of the events and stuff, because I had a background in theater and dance and was musical theater. Um, actually, he was playing with John Fresk, um, really? a duo, piano uh-huh. saxophone duo. I didn't wow. hear him play, um, uh-huh. but I met him, and uh-huh. he was really nice and funny, and um, and not what I thought, you know. What do you I, think? Well, I thought he was going to – I thought, well, both he and John were going to be kind of the typical flaky jazz yeah. kind of musician, you know, kind of frumpy, rumpled tuxedos and, you know, that whole yeah. kind of – deal. And they weren't. They were funny, and they were professional, and they were really easy to work with. And I was like, oh, this isn't what I expected. So, (laughs) Um, And then Patrick and I realized that we had uh, quite a few mutual friends Uh um, that I grew up performing with that he went to Mount Hood Community College with. Uh And so we actually, one night at Jazz Day Opus, um, all kind of came together and our paths crossed, uh-huh. and so I started uh, helping him, you know, with stuff and believed in his career early on, and and the rest is history, so.
0: Well, I don't know what he would have done without you.
2: Oh, <laughs> thank oh, you. Everybody,
0: really, it is common knowledge. Thank that, you. How important been to
1: his career. Oh, well, thank you. Well, yeah. he's extremely talented, you yeah. know. Um I actually when I met him um was interviewing for uh, record label and movie studio positions in Los Angeles. Wow. And if I didn't if I didn't get an offer, I was actually going to use Nordstrom to move down to the LA area uh-huh. because ultimately my goal was to work in um entertainment it always has been so cuz i grew up dancing and performing and and so it's in my blood performing what uh well um i was a singer musical theater really? um yeah and a dancer a ballet tap role? jazz what was my favorite role oh my gosh um ah uh, I don't think I really have a favorite role. I was more of like a chorus girl, uh-huh. so I never did like the lead stuff because yeah. I wanted to do it all. Uh-huh. And um, so I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I really ever had – I think it was just the whole thing, being involved in yeah. all of it, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah it was, was cool. here in Portland. It was in Vancouver and Portland, Uh um, mostly in Vancouver, Vancouver, um, Washington.
0: Washington,
1: Yeah, Yeah, but I did actually come over to Portland a good bit because I took uh, classes uh, with OBT. Uh And I also took classes at Jefferson um, because my teachers and instructors that I had over in Vancouver all came over and taught. Here, uh-huh. so I would take the bus over and and um, after school and take special classes or on the weekends and That's stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did, did you have a, a, a school theater hero? Somebody that you, you, you uh, really well, well actually
1: um, I <laughs> um, well I have I mean there's quite a few that I've always admired, uh-huh. but I think. Um, uh, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly actually had a really um, big impression on me because I grew up watching a lot of old movies. Yeah. And especially from the dance perspective. I mean, there's nothing like the vintage films and the dance productions yeah. and the costuming and the performing and the singing. I mean, I still, to this day, watch White Christmas every year. I mean, I just love it. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. So, If
0: the two of them were standing here in front of you, which one would you choose to dance with? The oh, other people
1: Fred Astaire. Really? Yes. Why is that? He's light on his feet. Uh. Yeah, and a little more graceful than Gene Kelly, and I just loved. Uh, I remember watching how he was with his partners, uh-huh. you know, just kind of glided across uh-huh. the air. You know, it was really, yeah, it's really <laughs> cool. Did you miss that? I do. I I really do. And actually, my niece has started dancing. Oh. And so I'm living vicariously through her. Oh, she has the natural talent. My sister was also a very accomplished dancer. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and so we're not pushing her. We're letting her do yeah. it on her own. But yeah. we have since kind of gotten back into and exposed to the dance world again. And so I take classes every so often.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what kind of classes?
1: Um, ballet or, uh, modern or jazz or, yeah, just, you know, kind of fun classes for adults. I, once it's in your blood, you can't let it go. Yeah. It's, it's always there. Yeah. I still dance in the grocery store sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't help it. You just start moving, you know.
0: (laughs) Can Patrick dance, by the way?
1: um he's okay um he's much more comfortable with his horn i think you know there's a comfort level with that yeah
0: it's funny about that i I was i was talking to two different people christy lane who who, uh, she got hurt she hurt her arm Mm -hmm. and michael Quinby, the guitar player from roseland hunters Uh, Who also hurt his arm. Oh wow! And and he played at at our benefit uh, at the Aladdin a couple of weeks ago. He told me it was the first time he has ever performed without his guitar.
1: Oh wow! Didn't
0: know what to do. Wow.
1: Yeah, there's a you know I see it with musicians. I mean, because I work with so many of them, and then in being. A producer of shows and things. Uh I mean, there's times like when we did our Ray Charles show, where we would kind of ask people to be out of their comfort zones or maybe step outside of you know their role. Um, You know, Patrick stepped up and you know fronted, let the good times roll, Uh and you know his sax was not a part of it. It was just singing and Uh you know, and so. It was interesting watching that all kind of happen. Put the sax down? Oh yeah, he really? he wow. only played it during the solo portion. Wow. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, so it was and it was a new it was a newer thing for him at that time, yeah. you know. Yeah. He sings all the time and always has, but uh it was the first time that he really, you know, um had like this you know, feature, uh-huh. and I think with all the singers that we had in that group, um, there was also a bit of pressure with it to yeah. really rise to the occasion. So
0: is, is that project gone? Is, that, is it dead?
1: Not totally.
0: You know, I, I, you know, oh. I, 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 played uh, that duet between live, live Warfield oh, Paul. and Paul mm-hmm. on my radio show a couple weeks ago. Wow. Man, it's so good.
1: The, so it is. Um, you know, I feel so lucky because we captured uh, yeah. Paul. That was Paul's last recording before he passed away. And then we also have that amazing court recording of Linda on there and
0: And
1: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. super proud of that girl (laughs) everybody is
0: yeah everybody is and we knew her when yeah yeah Yeah.
1: it's it's interesting because we always knew and we saw it in her when she worked with us that you know she she had that gift to
0: fly and I remember when she was singing with Joey Porter Oh yes, yes. Uh,
2: Jimmy
1: Max uh, Jimmy Max I remember and that she
0: would, she would get up on the stage in a running outfit and sing sitting on a bar stool yeah live Warfield I mean yeah if, if, I mean if people see her now it had, it had no concept yeah of course she was just she, her her songs were just as great and her voice was just as great and everything else was just as great. just like mm-hmm. she, she yeah didn't quite have the style then
1: <laughs> oh, oh she yeah she was well, she's shy. Yeah. A lot of people don't yeah. realize that she's actually kind of shy, but you yeah. get her now up on the stage and she's in her element and she's a powerhouse.
0: I think Gretchen Mitchell brought a lot of that out in her.
1: Yeah, actually, their friendship. Do you yes. know that they, um, their friendship really blossomed when they started doing the Ray Charles show together?
0: Oh, Was that was that when it was? Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that was so amazing about that project is that we mashed together all of these people yeah. that yeah. didn't have the ability or had ever worked together. Um, and so, so many people were so excited uh-huh. because they were like, Oh my gosh, I've never had a chance to work with Anthony Jones before. And uh-huh. now I do. And, and so it kind of created, you know, friendships and music opportunities and things that, you know, may not have happened if we hadn't like brought all 25 of those. Well, there people could be together.
0: another project that we on some other icon, like Marvin Gay or Stevie Wonder. You know? Yes,
1: yeah. there could be. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because, um, uh, for me, Ray personally, yeah. I grew up, you know, with a lot of his music, and I know so did Patrick. And, um, I actually was sitting there watching, um. The tribute, the national tribute to Ray on TV. And I felt like they put people in positions to perform because they had a number one hit at the time. It wasn't because they were right for the song or the performance. And so that's what actually kind of, I'm like, I want to do this, but I want to do it right. And we actually sat down and thought out like who is the right person to sing the song like nighttime is the right time uh-huh. Duffy every time we thought of it, it it was her we never saw anyone else yeah. you know doing that role and you know and Andy I mean it just yeah. it it always that's what it was and we always saw Linda doing singing Georgia uh-huh. and you know, and so it it's you know it's interesting. We really tried to take a approach that was as authentic as possible. Yeah, yeah.
0: Andy Stokes. Yeah, Whew. love him. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's uh, it's I don't know if you heard about this at the at the Cascade Blues Society Buddy Awards this past year. Oh no, heard uh-uh. of gave, up, gave, Paul, gave Paul a raft of shit. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. You people should get out more. Oh. I come Andy Stokes isn't here? Andy Stokes is the best soul singer in town, Curtis. Oh,
2: good
1: to for – To
0: the assembled, assembled multitudes.
1: Good for Curtis. <laughs> 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 yeah, we actually – I mean, our city has yeah. – uh, you know, I think sometimes people here uh, take it for granted. Yeah. You know, when you travel elsewhere and you see – you know in other cities you know it's like comparatively we we've got an amazing music scene and a wealth of talent here
0: so with 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 patrick's busy career and all the stuff that's going on and, that, and, and taking care of that where did the, the ticket thing come from
1: <laughs> Um so we produce events of course yeah. Um shows at wineries skimany lodge concerts festivals, Um, you know, I'm actually, I feel very fortunate to have done um, an amazing uh, charity fundraiser last year, which was over the top and uh, one of the best experiences, you know, that I've had from a production standpoint, but it was for the Oregon Military Museum with KISS. Um, And so there's a lot of different types of events that we do and we were running into the problem of using a traditional ticketing outlet was really expensive, both from a client perspective as well as the customer perspective. So whether it was a client I was working with, the amount that they would have to pay to use their services, and then the ticketing fees on top of that for the customers, you know, purchasing the tickets, whether it's to a, you know, nonprofit gala or to an outdoor concert or to a festival or whatever. And so people constantly were coming up to myself and Patrick and saying, you know, this is ridiculous and why did my $10 ticket turn into an $18 ticket? And we would say, we don't have any control over that. Um, it, you know, It's the ticketing companies, and it's how their fees and services work. And when it got really bad was when people first started purchasing at home. Yeah. And a lot of the ticket companies would charge a $2.50 convenience fee yeah. just to print on your own printer. And so um, at that point, we just decided that why not build something? You know, we started seeing that the technology was there and uh-huh. that there were some possibilities. So why not just build a site that we could use for our events? And it was strictly supposed to be attached to our web page and just be used for things that we needed. We never thought it would be a standalone business. Uh-huh. And so we were building it and the Blues Fest, Peter Damming gave us a call uh-huh. and he said, I hear you guys are building a ticketing site. Yeah. <laughs> and we said, yes we are. And he said, can we use it? Uh-huh. And I went, what? And so we started talking to them a little bit more, and and then we had other people call us, and you know that weren't quite as big, but you know some friends that were also producing concerts, saying, well, we want to use it. So then that's how it became a standalone site. Uh-huh. And then literally, um, our first gig, um, Peter called back and said, can you guys have it up and running by May first? <laughs> and we said, sure. And I said, are you sure you don't want you know, us to try it out on, like, a smaller thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little <laughs> concerned that the Waterfront Blues Festival is our first gig. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, it can't be anything worse than what we're already dealing with. <laughs> and so um, literally our first gig and our oh. first client was the Waterfront Blues Festival back in
0: 2007. And it worked. It worked yes.
1: it worked. I lost all of my fingernails because oh, I no. think I was biting my nails the whole entire time just what you know was that? 2007 Seven. Yeah. eight yeah. years ago. Yeah. yeah so that's that's how it became this this entity of its own was that there was a need for it and we didn't realize the magnitude of the need until we started putting it together and people started coming to us and I never thought we would own a ticketing company i bad. bet. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we do stuff now all over the nation. We've done yeah. some gigs in Atlanta, uh-huh. and we've got some regular clients in California uh-huh. and Washington. We do uh-huh. a lot of blues festivals.
0: And a lot of competition. <laughs>
1: a ton of competition. And
0: a, and a lot of new local competition in the last couple of years.
1: Yes. Yeah. Everybody now thinks that they can own a website and have a ticketing company, and they have no idea what they're getting into. So it's, um, you know, with us, we've grown with yeah. the, the industry. Um, you know, now starting it is just, I mean, it would be tough. There's a lot of ticketing companies that um, I guess what sets us apart is that we understand the boots on the ground and Uh the people human factor and the production factor so like I actually fly last weekend I was in um, California and I went to set up the Central Valley Brewfest box office they hired me to come Uh in and and I orchestrate all of it and um, uh, map it out for them and help them with you know flow and and how, you know, how to process people. And we had 3,500 people, and they wanted them processed quick because they all showed up when the doors opened. And she said that it was a really um, big improvement on what they had done the year before. And so, and then I also put together the box offices for the Blues Fest, and yeah. then our we have a team of 10 to 12 people that run the box offices and integrate with the gates. So what we try to bring that's different is um, kind of bridging the worlds. So the technology and people buying tickets and then our clients and how they process those people, Mm -hmm. how they service those people. And, um, you know, a festival should not have to do customer service for ticketing. And they shouldn't have to know the best box office flow. They should have an idea, but Uh, our job is to know this stuff. So um, we try to partner and make it a win-win situation for everybody.
0: And how much influence do you have with Patrick's career?
1: Um, A lot. A lot. Well, I know I (laughs) –
0: I figured that was the answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perhaps I, I wasn't trying to say how much, mm-hmm. but in what way?
1: Um, oh well, um, I.
0: Like, do you handle you handle the business side? Oh yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, I run Patrick Lamb Productions. Yeah. The the logistics of it. He very much is involved in the business. Yeah. He um. Uh he makes it his business to know the business Um, you know sometimes it's maybe a little bit more painful for him to you know sit through a conference call you know with our publicist or to um, go over the accounting you know for the month Um, but he's always wanted to you know have a hand on what's happening from day to day Uh, but I kind of orchestrate it all, so I, you know, bring people together, and um, you know, like our publicist in LA, yeah. and then, um, like right now, we're working and launching a new single, and um, his um, in a video, and it's actually a debut music video; it's his first music video, yeah. and uh, we have a whole team of people, so we have a videographer um, that. And a director that we worked closely with on that project, um, the graphic designer that did the graphics for the single, you know, Nick Moon mixed and mastered. Mm-hmm. Rob Daker produced it, and so we, he and I, integrate with all of those people on a regular basis. Burnside Digital does our, our distribution, yeah. and and then we um, have been doing a month long social media campaign, you know, to kind of publicize it. And we've got our publicist in LA and then we have a digital media group out of Vancouver, Fringe Media, that's helping us, you know, launch all of the social media. So we plan it and Patrick will, you know, write out what he wants it to say and he very much wants it to come from him. Yeah. Um, and then we send it all to, like, fringe media and our publicist, and then they actually post it, and they do the day-to-day stuff. Because sometimes he's, you know, flying across the United States, and he may not have access to a computer to jump on and make a post or
0: yeah. whatever. So. Plus, he actually has to make the music.
1: Yes, and perform <laughs> and do sound checks and all that other stuff. Yeah. But it all comes from him. He okay. never has... Anyone write um, his posts for him. Uh-huh. He writes all of his own posts yeah. uh, because he wants it to to be authentically him. So, and he replies to people if you know people comment and stuff. And so, so we work closely with our team, and we have a really you know great team. Um, we have an executive producer who uh, helps fund. A majority of his uh, projects, and uh-huh. she's very much involved in honor conference calls and a part of, you know, a key part of our team as well. So,
0: how much influence or wh- what kind of influence have you had in the music itself? Because he, he, he has gone through some changes over the years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where where do you come in? <laughs> um,
1: I definitely have my opinions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um I know ultimately it's his choice. Um But if he has a brain. will so <laughs> listen. To it. I have good instincts um yeah. and uh I try to listen. I guess the main thing for me is for um I feel he always and I try to encourage him to always follow his gut and follow his um you know, who who he really is um, inside. I mean, he comes from the South, um, and he grew up in roadhouses around blues music, um, around gospel music, and, you know, really cut his teeth in places that, um, unless you go there, you don't really understand. I mean, it's it, there's something really special about the music community in the South, yeah. and um, I know we stumbled upon a documentary, um, a Muscle Shoals documentary. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and it, I mean, every musician should watch it because yes. it's yeah. unbelievable it's a, it's a great, great documentary. what happened down yeah. there. Yeah. And he could, he instantly like just connected with it and yeah. the people and the music and and so um i guess i just try to encourage him to you know follow what's inside of him you know he early on kind of got pushed into the the smooth jazz you know right. circuit right. and he likes it uh-huh. um just as much as he likes straight ahead jazz i uh-huh. mean he 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 loves music he just loves playing Um, but I think deep in his heart really are his Southern roots. And he's the happiest when he's doing the funk and Uh the soul and the R&B and even some of the, you know, kind of Southern rock vibe. Right. Um, you know, and so that's what I, because I think if you authentically follow your inner voice Uh with your music, it'll be successful. If you're being unauthentic and you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole um that'll come across
0: okay when he was listening to that what were you listening to earth wind and fire Ah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) actually my two favorite bands on the planet are earth wind and fire and journey so go figure (laughs) yeah
0: times for sure, you
1: know. I've always been an old school girl. I mean, I love Elton John, I Uh, love the Beatles, um, I love um Shaka Khan, Rufus and Shaka Khan. Yeah. 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 I rediscovered her recently. Did you? Oh yeah, where she was on my iPod and I just was driving around in California and I thought, Oh, I haven't listened to this in a while and yeah,
0: yeah,
2: it's
1: Unbelievable. She's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I pulled mm-hmm. up the Rufus album not too long. Matter of fact, I'm gonna play Rufus on my radio show this week. Thank you oh, for inviting me. Sure. <laughs> I could have played tell, uh, uh, tell Me Something Good.
2: Oh,
1: that's the best. Yeah.
0: It is, I remember they did when that came out, there was I read I read a story, they did some some kind of uh, psychologists did mm-hmm. some kind of tactile testing of that When they had they had they they put Electrodes on people uh, and played that tune and like their blood pressure went up and they got
1: <laughs> Wow. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh yeah, yeah, It really affected them. Um,
1: Actually, um, I uh, encouraged the band to uh, work up "You've Got the Love," and oh yeah. so now they do yeah. that in their um, in their set, their festival set as one of their covers that they do. It's amazing
0: the the soul music revival.
1: Oh. Yeah, so soul, soul music is, I mean, it's just good music. I mean, it's like rock music. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I like all kinds of music. Yeah. I even listen to country music, believe it or not. Do it? Yeah, I do. Lady Antebellum is one of my faves. Um, but, you know, I mean, when it's good music and when you have good songs and when you have good players, you know, you can't, it's, it's you know, undeniable, yeah. you know?
0: It's it's uh, you know the the, uh, the shows that are on Friday night on KMHD my show and DJ e. Parker and, uh, and, everything more, and it, oh yeah we yeah. get great numbers yeah yeah you know, I get a lot I get I get people call. I get it's unlike the old KMHD mm-hmm. where everyone was over a hundred and they <laughs> yeah. would call up and, and think that Request Duke with, Ellington well <laughs> that, 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 I got a call one time. Uh, I was when I was playing. I was doing a jazz show, uh, and about I don't know, seven, eight years ago, and some, some member of the jazz police called and told me that, that I shouldn't play Monk because it was too much like noise. Monk.
1: Oh wow. Oh, yeah.
0: So that's all changed. Yeah. That, that's that's totally changed. And, and, and I get uh, I get a call this week from some young guy, mm-hmm. and I had been playing, and he wanted me. I've I, been playing, I don't know, John Cleary or something really funky, and. Uh, and, uh, yeah, man, my friend, we drive around every week with the, you know, play, playing it really loud on a Friday night. And it's like, uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I just, I just I'm, just, I'm just playing the stuff, you know, that I always listen to. you know, mm-hmm. I still listen to.
1: Oh, I still, I mean, yeah. I grew up on Stevie Wonder. Yeah. You know, yeah. I grew up on Chick Korea. I, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, um, I, you know, to me, it's amazing. I mean, Stevie Wonder is like a prime example of like, well, and a lot of the Motown catalog. I mean, you will see little kids that are like four or five, and they know the words to Stevie Wonder tunes. And, you know, and it's this music that just stands the test of time. I mean, it and it transfers from generation to generation. I mean, that's, that I feel is what, all musicians and artists should strive for yeah. is that kind of um uh creating that kind of song that will, you know, cross generations and and be yeah. here long before, you know, the artist is no longer here.
0: I interviewed Tyrone Hendrix when he was when he was on the road with Stevie. Oh w- like yeah, Tyrone was like lost in mind. <laughs> we was,
1: did the Stevie Wonder tribute with yeah. Tyrone and uh Nate uh, Stevie's music director. Oh yeah. Yeah, at yeah. Jimmy Max. Yeah. yeah. So I remember when he was on the road Six. with
0: Stevie. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh man.
0: So it's just you know it must be I don't it's not odd because it's it's your life and it's it's, it's a continuum <laughs> but to, to think that, that you would never have thought that you would you would uh, in, in 2015 be running a a, na- a nationwide ticket company.
1: No. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, I am always kind of a global thinker. Yeah. So um, it makes sense, you know, because in doing productions uh-huh. and, and working, you know, with crews and, you know, sound and, you know, event logistics and lighting yeah. and all that other stuff, yeah. it kind of fits. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, and I always look at, you know wanting to see things big picture and and, you know if they play off of each other and lend themselves to one another so in a sense it doesn't surprise me but yeah if you would have asked me when I first started this that I would be the co-owner of an online ticketing company I would be like what? What? so (laughs) um, and also technology has changed you know so it's become the norm you know, whereas it used to be you go to Fred Meyers or Safeway yes. and you buy your tickets through Tickets West or, you know, yeah. or Fast Ticks or Ticketmaster. Or, yeah. So it's um, it's it's fun, though. I mean, I enjoy it. I really – I enjoy the people that we meet. Um, we're going to be ticketing the uh, Groovin' on the Grass with Tower Power. Oh, ah. Tualatin Hills Parks and Rec is doing a big show with them this summer, and it's fun because you know we know half the band. Right. So
0: does Bruce still play with them? Is he is he not well enough?
1: Um, I don't think so. Yeah, Yeah. and yeah, and then um, I know Rocco also has been in and out with health problems as well. But Dave Garibaldi, the drummer, yeah. and Roger, the nice. keyboardist, and um, Jerry, the guitar player, yeah. are good friends of ours.
0: I, I have always, I don't have any, I, I don't have any knowledge of this. Mm-hmm. I only know what, what I hear about it, and, and, I, and I just hear that, that I, I know all of business can be tough, mm-hmm. and, you know, but... but Ticket, the, the ticket business seems to be tougher than others. Um, there is, is, it, is it is it is it really is it is it is it.
2: it mhm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are. Um, there's a real kind of dark side. Yeah. To the business and what I, you know, kind of it's what most people don't think. You know, like they don't realize or they're they they do not have knowledge of it. Um, yeah. There's uh, buyouts, you know, where people basically buy the contract and it's just classified a certain way so that it looks like either a donation's given or...
0: What do you mean by by a contract?
1: um, With an entity, so like a theater or a concert series or something like that. And and the sad part about that is that... um, So if a ticket company... And we don't do this. We, uh-huh. because we, our goal is to keep it as affordable for people to attend yeah. the event as possible. Because when you have a family of four and you have to buy the ticket and then you've got all these added costs yeah. and then to get there and, and food and yeah, it's, yeah. It's so,
0: costs come
1: yeah. So, what other ticket companies do is they actually build it in as a fee. So they'll pay an organization, let's say hundred thousand dollars for that contract, even though that's not what they say they're doing. They say they're yeah. giving a donation. Oh, then it goes in as a line item, yeah. and so ultimately, who's paying for that contract? Right. Not the company. Yeah. It's the people that are buying the tickets, yeah. and so then that's what has you know raised the the fee structure. Um, There's some uh, venues where managers and promoters get kickbacks, and then they get exclusive contracts. Um, I mean, there's just so many different things. Like, people have learned to get their fingers in the pot so to speak yeah. and um, and it all has been passed on to the consumer yeah. and so all of these people are making an extra little extra money here or there and then over time I mean it adds up to a considerable amount and it's been bad for the consumer so we call ourselves an alternative uh-huh. because we choose not to do that and actually we've turned down um, gigs because the venue has wanted us to give them a donation yeah. or something, and we're like, nope, we don't do that. Wow. So we're trying to keep it you know, fair market value for everybody.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Because our thoughts are, is if the ticketing fees and the price of the ticket are too high and you price people out, eventually they'll stop. Attending and your attendance right. will go down. Right. So the venue will lose money at concessions, the venue will, you know, lose money, you know, through merch sales, and, you know, the artists will lose money, the promoters will lose money. So our goal is to try to keep it as fair and balanced as possible to help keep it affordable for yeah. people to attend.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, oh boy, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it it is, um, but we try not to focus on that. Yeah. We try <laughs> focus on what we can do that's good, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we try to be the you know antithesis of other yeah. companies out there.
0: Well, listen, thank you for stopping by. We well, appreciate Well, thanks it. for Tom and, for uh, having me. You know, say hello to Patrick. I will. Is there a new album coming?
1: Um, The album is being worked on right now. Um, Rob Dacre is uh, producing all the tracks. Uh And who's on it? uh, Well, actually, uh, he's had. Damien Erskine and right. Reinhard, Reinhard oh, um, you can't go wrong um that can you? No, he loves <laughs> in the recording studio. He loves the vibe that the two of them oh, have. They, they, they're
0: together. Spe- I mean that's, you know, they're they're just completely spe- I, I I heard Damien's new album the other day.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard it yet, but I've heard a lot about it.
0: And it's like, you know, partners in odd meters you
1: know yeah oh actually in odd meters you should hear this actually they do this version of i wish Uh that is it it, it's so out there that i mean it's cool but it's like sometimes it's actually hard like you're listening to it and you're like your brain can't catch up with it it's I mean, it's really, yeah, yeah they, and yeah. the fact that the two of them can do that together is really yeah.
0: cool. Yeah, really, yeah. quite a pair you know, Quinby is, pinches himself every day when he went, when he considers that he's got both of them in the Roseland Hunters. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: With, along, along with, with Foxworth.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So the they're on the yeah. yeah they're on the um, new project and uh-huh. um and then it's evolving. Um, yeah, I'm sure Patrick will have some of his band, you know, on there, um, in different aspects and and stuff. So it's he has, I think, probably about three or four tracks done. So, we're releasing the single, and then the rest is going to be finished up, and, and then as soon as we've got the album done,
0: we'll, we'll release that. Are you that. pointing for a specific date to, to release it?
1: Um, well, the single is being released on May 26th, and yes. um, it's called Where's um, My Angels, uh-huh. and that actually comes from, um, which is kind of interesting, because uh, Patrick just, the anniversary of uh, the Mount Hood climbing accident um, yeah. back in the day when he was in high school was May 12th. Oh. Um, and actually, that song is written um, or was inspired lyrically by that because he went through a very long period where he felt like he had been lost um, or, you know, where were all of those people that had passed in his life that yeah. were supposed to you know, be there, and how, how could this tragedy happen, and yeah. so that's kind of, um, lyrically he's what it's all on. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it has a kind of a southern rock vibe. Wow.
2: hmm cool. cool.
1: Yeah, totally different than what he's done wow. before. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. It
2: is. Alright.
0: Well, um, I know that, uh, when we're done here, and before too long, because this is not going to be on until June, um, why don't we Why don't we close with it?
1: Oh, that would be great. Right. Yes, I will.
0: Well, so introduce it, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Where's My Angels by Patrick Lamb. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Amy.
3: When I was young, I used to feel like angels watched over me.